0: Hello and welcome inside episode 16 of the Scully Scoop podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully. Well, 16th episode, that's the charm, I guess, because we finally have a proper microphone. It came in the mail just a couple days ago. All the delays in the world with deliveries. It took some time, but it's finally here. So hopefully you guys can enjoy some better sounding audio here for upcoming podcasts. Well, today is... Canada Day, a big day in our nation. And my guest this week covered one of the biggest events in recent Canadian sports history. Mark Rowe was on the scene for TSN when Bianca Andreescu won the U.S. Open back in September. Mark is my guest this week. We're going to discuss Bianca's victory and Mark's journey to TSN and so much more in this interview. Let's go to that right now. And we're pleased to welcome TSN anchor, reporter, radio host, the man does it all at the network, Mark Rowe. Mark, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us.
1: Thanks for having me, Scully. I'm quite honored. This is, I hear, the hottest podcast that has come on the air, especially during the pandemic, because, you know, well, who starts a podcast during the pandemic, but... Uh, Good on you man. I'm glad seeing uh, you succeeding so much.
0: I appreciate that man. I'll be sure to use that clip in my every promo I ever create. It's most popular. How well, how has life during this quarantine period been for you?
1: Um it's you know, it's been difficult and I, I feel guilty saying that cuz so many people have it way worse than than I do. Um, I'm lucky to be healthy. The family's uh you know healthy and everything but um yeah it's been tough definitely one of the busiest times of the year when um i think of doing the world hockey championship and all you know french open wimbledon and the uh, stanley cup playoffs like it's going nuts at sports center and all that just got you know in the middle of march i remember working at the rudy gobert night as we now call it and and doing a show with lindsey hamilton and and thinking in the back of my head I don't know if I'm going to be in studio anytime soon, so um, it's uh, so it, it you know it, it sucks not to be working the way we normally would, and um, you know I went through a move during the pandemic, which I guess all things considered went okay, consider we have the house, but you know there's a few headaches along the way, so uh, yeah, we're managing and hopefully uh, we continue to trend in the right direction.
0: Yeah, knock on wood, hopefully we do. Now, I've I've seen you, you've been doing some overdrive this past week and you've actually been in the building recently. What's it been like being back at TSN headquarters during this uh, strange time?
1: It's so weird in the sense that You know, you know what it's like when you're there, you know, doing Golf Talk Canada or That's Hockey and you're walking the hallways and you're guaranteed to run into like 50 people that you know, you kind of know, or you're like, oh crap, what's his name or what's your name and stuff like that. And you're just like, you give the nod or whatever. There's none of that. The only interaction I really have is with the cleaning staff and, uh, you know, they're very friendly, but they're, they're outnumbering, you know, actual workers, at least in the, in the kind of. You know, we keep using the term "bubble" in in the sports world, but in the TSN bubble of the building, because CTV News wants nothing to do with anyone like me and their uh, section, because they're almost—I guess—they're essentially quarantined over there. But so it's—it's weird. It's—it's—it's a little quiet, and um, everything is set up clearly for people to eventually come back, because every workstation now Mm -hmm. has plexiglass. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're you're looking to your right and you're sneezing, it's going to come right back at you. So you better be ready for that.
0: Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to whenever we can get back in the building. My last day was actually St. Patty's day and I oh. got the chance to actually host golf talk Canada television. This would have been the week after the players championship was canceled. And because both Bob Weeks and Mark Zacchino were on location, They had to quarantine. So I was the only one allowed in studio. So I kind of got a break, a big, not big break, but somewhat of a break to host an hour of television by myself with, uh, with them in, in, at home. So I guess, you know, it's weird things happen with quarantine, right?
1: Yeah. That's, that's our business, isn't it? It's getting an opportunity. And a lot of times they're weird opportunities that come out of nowhere. And then, you know, uh, someone like you knocks it out of the park, which you did. And now you're all over the place.
0: I I appreciate the kind words. So, so so during quarantine, there's been some fads going on, some different things. Have you avoided the quarantine fifteen?
1: I think so. Um, Good. And I don't know. See, it's funny. My fiance is Italian and I've actually, I've had to live, I shouldn't say had to live. Like they were very nice to allow me to uh, spend a couple months in their house in uh, Richmond Hill. And it's, it's a good size nice house, but like, you know, they cook and you know, her grandparents who we've tried to you know keep our space with will literally like drop off food. It's like the stereotypical Italian family. Oh, yeah. So I remember when I first started dating her, like people were like, okay, get ready. Cause you're not going to be skinny anymore. And, um, so we have like a little gym in the basement going with a treadmill. Um, I Maybe I'm just like so nervous that I'll let myself go that I've managed to keep the portions at a reasonable but uh, knock on wood. And second time now we've said that in the, this episode, um, I've kept the, uh, the COVID-19 off. Um, and uh, hopefully I can continue that after COVID's done. We'll see.
0: Oh, I, I believe in you. It's been funny watching guys on the PGA Tour. Gary Woodland losing yeah. 20 pounds. Bryson DeChambeau looks like a different human being. He's up 50 pounds since September.
1: Mean, yeah. Yeah. Protein powder by the barrel full, looks like.
0: Like having six protein shakes per day. I'm no doctor, but I feel like that's not great for your digestive system.
1: I, I, I Yeah. I like a smoothie with some protein powder like the, the next guy, but like, I, a, I would get sick of it, and B, I'd be wondering, like, you know, are, are you supposed to consume so much powder in one day? Yeah,
0: I, I don't think so. But hey, it's working for him. He's hitting yeah. some bombs out there, like Phil Mickelson, some nice bombs. But another fad during quarantine, cutting your own hair. It hmm. looks like you've got a nice high and tight going. Was that your fiance? Was that you? Was that a combination? Or did you go to
1: get your hair cut? Because they're now uh, open in Toronto. It was my fiance who has never cut hair before. She Perfect. is a science and math teacher. So I don't think that's part of the qualifications at all. And uh, she obviously, she did a, a great job, way better than I could do on her hair. She's not letting me touch that. But uh, I, I got to say, I was a little nervous the first time when she has the buzzer in one hand and her phone in the other, watching a video and going, okay, I think this is how you're supposed to. I'm like, stop doing that. Like you're not like this, this, I'm going to flinch and then you're going to like cut something or I'm going to like have, maybe we're going to have a buzz cut here. Um, so I, it's funny. I have had a couple of compliments about it. And it makes her very proud to hear uh, that people think that I'm getting a normal haircut. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's the routine moving forward to save a couple dollars. Although I, I do like to support our, our barber, our local barber. So we'll see.
0: She can add that to the old resume. I've actually cut my hair three times myself. I, I got to say, so I haven't touched up top, but I've got quite a beard trimmer. And uh, the first time I, I gave myself a pretty solid high and tight. The second time I got kind of cocky and went a little yeah. too high and tight and was sort of looking like I put a bowl on my head and just shaved everything around. <laughs> and then the third time I got to say it was pretty good. So I, I may never see a barber again. I mean, I got to trim this somehow. One of the times I tried to, I actually Googled where to find thinning shears for your hair up top. And probably a good thing I didn't find that. Cause as you said, uh, I, I might have a buzz cut right now.
1: Yeah, that's true. It looks good, man. You, if honestly, if you didn't tell me as I kind of just look around here, you look the same like you were, you know, in, in, in normal times working on that's hockey. Uh, so nice job buddy it's better than i could do
0: well i appreciate that so you mentioned that's hockey we've done a ton of work together on that's hockey on sports center there have been ton of a ton of reruns during this quarantine period i guess not so much recently but maybe early on did you have a favorite rerun that you sat down and watched the entire thing whether it was the any of the masters rewind series or any of the the hockey that's been shown
1: I definitely watched some of the hockey, Um, you know, anytime, like, say, like, the 93 Leafs came on, like, that's when I first got into hockey, like, the Doug Gilmore years, and watching, uh, just, A, the style of play, and how it's totally different, Uh, you know, first off, more wide open, in a way, but also, like, the some of the hits you watch, you're like, Oh my God, like that, that's a five game suspension right there. And like, no one's penalizing Wendell Clark for what he just did. Yeah. Um, so watched a few of those games in the playoff series. Uh, I did catch the, the U S open from last year just mm-hmm. because I was there and I, and I, there's so much of that final match. I didn't actually see because I was in the hallway ready to go out onto the court and, mm-hmm like the setup that the u.s open has like the the whole grounds are first rate and then you're in the small tiny hallway with a i don't know like a 20 inch tv in the corner of the hall and really you're just kind of like watching you know the biggest sports moment um for canadian tennis and you're like yeah i think yeah okay yeah she won like (laughs) It was weird, so it was cool to watch it again and just uh, relib some of those moments and sort of the ebbs and flows of Bianca's match against Serena.
0: Well, you mentioned that Bianca match against Serena. We're going to get into that a little later because that was quite a highlight, A, seeing Bianca win and seeing the way you covered that. We're going to get in that uh, in just a little bit, but before we get into your career and some of the highlights, how did you get to TSN? Tell our listeners and viewers how you made your way to TSN.
1: So uh, I started at 14, which may or may not be illegal for them to have. a Perfect. I wasn't getting paid, so I was like an intern. But um, the the, the short answer is I I was lucky to have an aunt that worked at TSN. She was one of the first employees from 1984. She worked until, I think she left in like 99 or 2000. And um, I was probably like you, like a young kid who played sports, who always thought, you know I want this to be my my full-time job I don't know you know how and, and like I wasn't you know I was playing baseball and uh, ski racing I was just kind of getting into volleyball a bit but you know I wasn't good enough so it was like well my aunt has this cool job at TSN which is you know like like so many my age we, we woke up on sports desk to, to find out who won which is crazy to think now you had to wake up and find out so she um she one summer uh she took me to work she dropped me off at off the record with michael landsberg my first day on the job jackie chan was a guest on the show i didn't help out in the show whatsoever that day like they were so welcoming and and helpful but if i think of like what i actually did i just kind of like stood around and made sure i didn't get in the way And I'll never forget like the green room. And you know what Canadian television green rooms look like. Maybe a couple bottles of water, maybe a couple cookies. This had like full catering, uh, every kind of drink you could think of, Uh, you know. Jackie had like an entourage of like 10 people. And the next day, I think we had like an offensive lineman from the Blue Bombers and a baseball umpire and, and maybe Rod Smith or someone on the show. And like it went back to bottles of water and, and maybe like a an old stale bun. And, a, you know, and it was like, and everyone was like, no, no, no. Yesterday, that that was like a one off. We're never mm-hmm. going to have a green room like that. So that was 1998. Uh, I started and Michael and, and Bob Mack, which was the producer at the time, they were always welcoming. And I would come in really whenever I could as a high school student and I would intern and, and learn really what television was. That's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had no idea what it took to put on a show and it was, it was great to get the experience. It it was a huge help in terms of me getting into Ryerson university. Um, and then I, you know, I kind of went from there as a a story editor after my first year of university. And then I, I took me a few years to finally get paid and I actually had a paid job. Um, I think in 2004, so it's, and then it kind of continued on the uh, trajectory of my career.
0: It's kind of funny, you know, when people ask you or myself what we do, we essentially get paid to watch sports. I mean, some would say the dream job, it's awesome to do, but growing up for you, were there any broadcasters who you looked up to and idolized?
1: Uh, Well, I would say the first big influence was Michael and Mm. You know, part of that was he—he he was one of the first broadcasters on TSN, and then I just got to know him, and um, and and it's fun, like maybe "funny" is not the right word, but I, when you're 14 or 15, you're so impressionable, so I kind of idolized Michael, and and not in the sense of as a broadcaster, just in like the life that he had. Like he had his own show, he's hosting it. He was out of there by four o'clock. He had this, you know, great family, nice house in Toronto, and then you know, years later, he he reveals that he battles depression and, you know, he, he's had suicidal thoughts and it was like, wow, like if, you know, I, I, I thought he had it made, like he had everything perfect. And, um, you know, and, and I know he is grateful for the career that he's had, but it, you know, um, in terms of a mental illness conversation, it, it can happen to anybody. So, um, but yeah, like, a guys like Michael guys, like, uh, you know, your, your guy, Gino Retta, um, Darren Detition, kind of Jim Van Horn, the kind of the the originals on TSN. Um, you know, those are again you, you're watching those anchors every single morning, and um, you know when you're when you're young, you make the mistake like I, I want to be just like them. And of course, you learn like that's the biggest mistake you could ever make. And you know, there is only one Gino, We know that. Uh, there's only one Duchy. We definitely know that. I'm never getting that big. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, and that's, that's, and you know, this, like, that's the beauty of working at TSN. You're surrounded by so many talented people that you see, you know, what does make Rod Smith successful or what does like, you know, Dutchie do that has made him successful. It doesn't mean I have to go out there and have, you know, Rod Smith's voice because we know that's impossible, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is his work ethic like? And, and, you know, how did he, you know, you, you, you know, you're a couple feet away from Gino, you can say. You know, you early on in your career, you know, what did you do to get better? And, and did you do reps? Did you look in front of a mirror? Or did you do a fake stand up in your backyard or whatever? And mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, you have to, you have to kind of use those, those resources to your benefit when you're in that building.
0: Well, you mentioned a couple of the guys there, you know, Darren Titian, Gino Retta, You obviously work alongside these guys now. And I mentioned before, you wear a lot of hats at TSN Sports Center anchor, That's Hockey host, reporter, Overdrive host. But for someone watching or listening to this, take us through a night in the life of Mark Rowe. Let's say if you're hosting the 10 o'clock Sports Center.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Because it, it's funny. I get that like all the time. Like, what's your routine or what's your regular schedule? And there really isn't one. Yeah. And that and 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 I look at it as uh, as a great thing in our business because you know for a couple of weeks you're working on on the French Open or Wimbledon or U.S. Open. Your your hours are all over the place. But uh, if you're doing Sports Center, I would say um, you're and say it's the ten o'clock. You're coming in right as that evening Sports Center is happening. The six o'clock one. So somewhere in between six and seven. Um, obviously you've you've done some work at home and you never be totally prepared for a night on Sports Center because you know the story hasn't been written yet. You you don't know who's gonna win the game between the Habs and, and the Jets, or you don't know if LeBron is gonna go off for 50 points and and win in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so you try to prepare, but anyways you come in at, at seven o'clock or, or six thirty and you check in with your producer and at that time the the producer is setting up a lineup and you'll have a couple of on cameras that you, that you write. And when I say on cam, it's, it's really when it's a single shot and you're, you're introducing, you know, a story for that John Lou is doing on the Alouettes or, or you're setting up a highlight pack that really needs, you know, you to kind of give the backstory on, you know, Kawhi going up against the Raptors for the first time in Toronto since deciding to to leave as a free agent, that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you work on that. And again, like you said, you're also getting paid to watch games and and you can't follow every game because there's so many going on, or at least in the the good old days when we actually had sports, but you're trying to stay on top of things because when you do get up on there at 10 o'clock and and people are running you scripts, but you know, sometimes you don't get a script or sometimes the prompter goes down or, or you just, there's always a benefit to know what exactly happened in that game. And you might not know the video that's coming, but you know that Sidney Crosby went off for two goals and an assist and had the game winning goal. And, and at least if someone gives you the wrong script, you can kind of read along and go, you know, and there's Crosby who had a huge game and, and you can kind of play, 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 by play, play there in a bit. And, you know, some games you can do that, some games you can't. And, right. um, yeah, so you, you do, you would do the show, whether it's 90 minutes or an hour or two hours, um, it really varies by the night. And, and because of having five TSNs, uh, you might be coming out of different programming. So you're syncing up with them and, and then you're, you're also talking to your co host and just, you know, you are always working on the chemistry that you have, whether it's Natasha or Lindsay or Kayla or, or you know, usually it's Dutchie and Jen, but sometimes I'll work with those two. And, um, you know, just having conversations with them before the show, uh, in a way, just kind of gets the juices flowing for when you're on camera.
0: Well, and, and there are some nights with you where you're hosting the six, you're hosting the 10, you're on the air for seven hours in a day. It's a, it's a marathon some days. But another thing I I love asking on-air personalities about, and people ask me all the time is what's it like having an earpiece? Because you're, you're saying something and someone's saying something else or counting it down in your ear. How awkward is it? How cool is it? What's the feeling like when someone's counting down
1: or saying something in your ear? Definitely uh, takes some getting used to. (laughs) And um, you know, and and your initial reaction is to stop talking when you hear a producer or a director give you a count or give you some direction, and it's obviously the you know the worst thing you can do because the viewer has no idea that that's happening and thinking why why is this idiot just like pausing here like hello there's some highlights, Um, and and you know it's one of the challenges as a producer is knowing how how little to talk, how much to talk, what's important, how do you get that message out. <laughs> kind of in the in the fewest amount of words possible so your your on-air talent knows what you're saying but also isn't totally distracted by it and um you know and i i started on air at ctv in barry so i had like a five to seven minute sportscast and it was you know, and I, obviously I would hear from my director, but then I jumped into the NHL network and, and we we're on the air for like two to three hours live, no script. I've, you know, like one of the shows is literally called NHL on the fly. Like, I have no idea where we're going here. So that took a different skill set, and mm-hmm. I, I needed probably half a season to really adjust to a producer saying, okay, we're going to, you know, hurricanes jets right now um, for a live looking or for a highlight or for, you know, whatever. And, and and then like there were sometimes there was terminology in it and I wanted to on air go I don't know what that means so, and, and, and I likely have never said that but you know afterwards I would say because I remember I didn't know what layout meant and I was like what does layout mean and it's like shut up That's what it means. <laughs> like okay well I know that now so uh so you, you're learning different uh styles and terminologies but um you know by now I, I like to think that I'm I'm used to it. And, um, but, and, and, being out in the field too, it's, it's different as well because you don't, you don't hear your, your piece sometimes as well as you would like to. And, um, uh, sometimes a message gets lost and that's, that's kind of why you see the, the reporter do the, uh, the really corny, like I'm here live in the middle of, uh, Times Square. And, uh, I can tell you it's almost midnight. <laughs> like there's no secret. Here's how you do it, and you'll you'll nail it in your first show or your your first report uh, live from a from a different uh, location.
0: Well, you mentioned NHL Network there. I mentioned we've done work on that hockey. At this point, NHL training camps, July 10th, knocking Wood again. Hopefully, no more COVID cases. Who know what's, Who knows what's going to happen? What do you think of this uh, format? Uh, it well,
1: it, it seems like it, as much as many have criticized the NHL for delaying so much of the information and and everyone wanted kind of what the NBA did came out with dates. We we, we've known for so long that it was going to be Orlando wide world of sports. Um, still, as we're taping this, we don't know the two hubs. I I have a pretty good bet that Vegas is going to be one and, and probably Edmonton or Toronto, but still there's so many logistical issues here. Um, you know, I, I think the, in an imperfect world, the most ideal scenario is keeping everyone in a hub. And I I look at what baseball is trying to do and and golf to a kind of an extent as well, being so tough. And and how does everyone buy in and play by the rules? Like we're, you know, you you go to a grocery store and you think by now everyone knows to wear a mask and you see people not wearing masks. And I don't want to you know, I don't think there's a malicious intent. It's just, it's ignorance or you're forgetful or whatever. So how does a player, you know, if the Jays say play in Toronto and the Yankees are in town, they're they're probably going to try to go to Yorkville for dinner, or they're probably going to try to go to patio. They're kind of try to like live a life that they want to live. That sets them up for tomorrow's game. Like the Mm -hmm. athletes are all about routine. So to go back to the NHL, um, you know, we've seen Toronto adjust their plan to, to take over exhibition place. And it would be sort of almost like an Olympic village that to me seems like the, the best scenario or the best, uh, format that you can do it because guys aren't going to be able to live in their hotel room for 10 hours a day. Like it's just, they're going to go nuts and guys are going to break rules. And I don't, you know, outside of having like a police officer or a team official outside their hotel room, you know, you kind of have to allow them to be adults. So that's, you know, it's so important for the parameters of those hubs to be secure, because we don't know what the number, you know, right now, the numbers are going in the right direction in Ontario, they've been in, um, in a good place in Alberta, but, you know, we don't know what a month from now looks like. And, mm-hmm. and and if the numbers do spike in the middle of the playoffs, you can't just stop things in the middle of a playoff series. And, and, you know, you can't just stop things if one or two players test positive so that, you know, you have to, you know, those imaginary kind of walls that you're building, they have to be, you know, um, you know, they have to be reasonable, but they also have to be, you know, enforced by league officials. And uh, it'll be once we know that, you know, the cities we'll get a better idea of what the the day-to-day of a player in the playoffs will look like and and where they can go and, you know, and if they can go to like a movie theater or golf course. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating to say the least. We wish we didn't have to do this. We, uh, but hopefully it's a one-off and we can look back and say, remember that time that half the league was in Edmonton and they all ate at the same Moxies and they ran into each other all the time. Like it'll be kind of funny to be able to tell this story in the years to come.
0: You said it right there. I think that's the perfect word. Fascinating. It's really going to be fascinating to see what happens in the NHL, NBA, MLB, mm. NFL. You know, there's so many sports here. Uh, the, the fall could be pretty epic for the sports fan if everything can. Um, yeah. Let's hope. yeah. Yeah, let's, let's hope. Stay, uh, let's uh, stay optimistic. Uh, we're in conversation here with TSN's Mark Rowe. Uh, Mark, this is going to be released around Canada Day, this podcast. And you had a front row seat to one of the great moments in Canadian tennis history last September, seeing Bianca Andreescu. And that Andreescu. is a professional
1: segue right there, Scully. Very you know, good.
0: I, I do my best. But you, were, you, were, you had a front row seat for Bianca Andrescu when she won the U.S. Open. Yeah. What
1: was it like to cover history? So cool. I know that's maybe the, the lame answer and, and uh, a bit of an understatement, but to be there for two weeks and to see the whole journey. And, you know, the cool thing about the U S open is it's the one grand slam that allows broadcasters right onto the court and and to interview them. So every, you know, if you're a broadcaster from Australia and Nick curios wins, you're allowed out onto the court because he's, he's Australian, obviously. Uh, for all the Canadians, after they win, we get to go right onto the court. I even look back at her first match and she was on one of the smaller courts um, and just being out there. And it's so intimate because there's about, I don't know, 500 to 750 in terms of fans and they're right over top of you. And she can hear what they're saying while you are interviewing them. I can hear what they're saying. And in a way I'm asking my questions, but I'm also kind of keeping my ear open to hear what a fan says. and, And you want to use that and you want to say, you know what do you think about these fans who are calling you you know the greatest of all time already and 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 she was, you know she embraced it so well and I, I I kept having to remind myself that she was 19 and to think of what we were like as 19 year olds and and how we would handle it and um, you know she was able to be, to kind of balance the the modesty that we almost expect from a Canadian athlete but but she had the killer instinct and and almost, I want to use the word cockiness that that you need in a way in an individual sport like like one of the you know one of the reasons why tiger is so great in terms of golf is because he he had that fu mentality that mm-hmm. why he was better than everyone and and i feel like bianca has that in a way and and that's one of the reasons why a she was an She wasn't phased by facing Serena Williams in front of 23,000 fans, who for the most part wanted Serena to win. Um, And she was able to, to maintain, you know, her level of play over two weeks. The way that, you know, if you watch the match, she was problem solving throughout that match. And, you know, any... You know, uh, tennis analysts that we get to deal with, especially from ESPN, you know, they marveled over that because it's it's one thing to be 19 and to have a really good serve or to have a good forehand. It's that mental aspect of the game that very few have at that stage of their career, and the fact that she showed that gave so much uh, confidence to 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 you know the experts who say she's not going to just win this U.S. Open. You know, as long as she stays healthy, she's going to win multiple Grand Slams, and and she's going to be in that kind of category of, you know, Maria Sharapova and and Steffi Graf and, and maybe she gets to Serena Williams. It's crazy, you know, you're talking about 23 Grand Slam titles, I don't want to you know, set the bar too high and, and to make it, you know, you know, she's only won one at this point, but um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And and it was also great to, to see Canadian fans making the trip, but also international fans embrace her. And, you know, I talked about Serena Williams and how, you know, most of the crowd wanted to see her win. she's American, they wanted to see history, but in, in more, in more matches than not, the fans were behind Bianca And, and fans, whether it's, whether it's golf or, or tennis, um, you know, they, they, they kind of, they root for the personalities and they root for a style of play. And, you know, I, I I have so much admiration for Milos Rodic and for what he does. And he's a guy that on camera, off camera, always gives you the time of day. wants to talk about you. He'd want to talk about you, Scully, as a, as a you know, one or two handicap, whatever your handicap is at right now. <laughs> it's four. Uh, you know, okay, those kind yeah. of things. It's <laughs> still way better than that. Um, but, you know, his style of play, let's be frank, is boring, you know, and, and he would probably be the first person to say that. And so, you know, when Milos plays – canadian fans will tune in and, and we'll watch him and we'll cheer them on but I, I don't think there's a lot of general tennis fans out there saying milo Sharonich is my favorite tennis player there's a lot of tennis fans who are saying bianca andrescu is my favorite player and, and she's been on tour for for a year and, that, and so it's it's it, what she's been able to accomplish and what she's overcome already is just it's it's such an easy story to tell and it made my job very easy and um i i people came up to me and congratulated me after she won. I felt very uncomfortable with it. And it was kind of weird. Like I, I just went out and stuck a microphone in front of her, but, um, it was cool. Like I, people see you representing Canada and I guess I, I'll, I'll take that. And it was just to, to just have a, you know, a front row seat to, as you said, history was something I'll never forget. And I, like, I kind of in a weird way have to thank Bianca for providing that to me for me.
0: Well, I, I remember watching all the coverage and, and especially once it got into the fourth round, I'd watch Bianca and you were, you know, quite frankly, just an all-star because you know, in tennis, as you know, you know, there's a match that starts after seven o'clock. It's no like seven thirty on the dot until they're in the semis and, and finals, that sort of thing. So, and I know you had some really long days at the U.S. Open. What would a typical day be in terms of length at the U.S. Open?
1: Yeah, and they're they you know doing tennis. Whether I'm in uh, a studio in Scarborough or in New York for the U.S. Open are by far my longest days. So in terms of New York, most people stay in Manhattan. We were staying in Manhattan, and so you you take a shuttle bus. You know, we were probably taking like a I don't want to say like an eight thirty in the morning shuttle bus. You know, we arrive. I'm I'm with my my camera operator. Um, and in this past year, I had Brian Vardy and um, you know, and owen korbel from vancouver and they were you speak of all stars you know they're they're one man you know doing lighting doing audio doing camera work so we would arrive we would tape maybe a couple things that we could air throughout the day um and then we would set up our kind of mini studio and we would be you know on the air at 11 o'clock and, you know, the nature of the beast is, you know, we had like four different matches going on at the same time, um, especially early on in the tournament. So you're, you're bouncing around, but also then you're trying to coordinate with an ESPN analyst and, um, you know, whether it could be Patrick McEnroe or Brad Gilbert, and you're trying to coordinate with them. And then I'm trying to coordinate with Toronto and I'm, I'm asking my boss, hey, can I, can I run over to where ESPN is and do a quick hit for 50 minutes? And, you know, they would say, okay, but you got to be back, you know, because the – you know, the Caroline Wozniacki match looks like it's it's going pretty quick, so you got to be back for that. And, and really, from the time you're on at 11 o'clock, it, it's, it's nonstop, and, and the days fly by, which is, you know, I guess, a good thing, and and you're enjoying it. And for the Canadians, like I said, you we need to be on standby to go out on the court if they win. So, you, know, you think of, you know, we have so many Canadian players now. So, you know, I've, I've had times where Shapovalov is over on uh, grandstand and then, um, you know, 500 meters in the other direction, Vashik Pospisil is playing. And I'm trying to juggle, uh, okay, which one is going to end up finishing first? And I've even had Vashik, who, again, he, he, he's one of the nicest guys on tour. He actually waited for me on a court. Like, I don't know too many players that would wait wow. for me because it was the year that Felix and Dennis played that match where Felix uh, had to stop in the middle of the match because he was having, uh, like, heart issues, like, right. heart arrhythmia. So um, I, had a, I sprinted over there. So anyways, it, it, it's all over the place. Um, and then you, in the US Open, you have the primetime matches. And Bianca was playing in a lot of them. And, and then in the midst of all, all this, uh, especially as Bianca was going on a run, you know, I was doing radio hits. And sometimes the radio hits would start in my hotel room at 7 in the morning. Um, I would Jay and Dan you know, would want me. When Jay and Dan want you, you know, you've know, really hit it big. So we, we'd try to do a double-ender with them after Bianca played. Uh, CTV National or even CTV News would want you. We, we were doing CP24 hits throughout the day, which is for our viewers outside of Toronto. It's the 24-hour um, news uh, network in Toronto. Um, so it's it was it was go go go. You you try to find 15 minutes to eat something, um, but it's a lot of fun. Like I, I'm not there's no complaint at all. It's mm-hmm. this is what we was why we got in the business, and it, it's you're running on adrenaline and and you know, you, then you get into position, and you you try to remember what was that really smart question I was thinking of asking Bianca, and you're like, oh no, yeah, I know. you know. And you, sometimes you forget, and sometimes you just you roll with it, and you and and it pops back into your mind. So it's um, you know, by far my uh, my favorite time of the year. It's it's nothing beats it. You hear it all the time. Um, if you can, and you're in the New York area, go to the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. even if you're a very fringe tennis fan the the energy, the atmosphere, the the places where you can get food and drinks, you know. It's like you know, it's like going to a golf tournament in a way. Um there are more things to do than just watching the tennis, but you know, the tennis is pretty great and and if you can catch a if you can get a good seat, and most likely you can in some of the smaller courts, you get an appreciation of the sport and you get appreciation of this how hard they hit the ball and and how, you know, how quick their feet are and and how exhausting they probably, you know, you can you can see them battling the 35 degree weather sometimes mm-hmm. as you get in New York. So, anyways, I kind of rambled there, but it, it, it's they're long days to to. You know, make it short.
0: You mentioned you know, appreciating it, and tennis is one of those sports that you're seeing it live in person. You really mm-hmm. get to appreciate that. That guy just ran around for four hours, the amount yeah. of cardiovascular skill you need, and how hard they hit the ball. It's, it's a, one of the great sports to see live, and I'm definitely adding that to my bucket list to go see the US Open. Speaking of bucket list, another segue there. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, before we let you go, um, I've had a chance that I've had uh, Kara Wagland on the podcast, I've had Lindsey Hamilton on the podcast. I like to ask my guests about bucket list interviews. You've obviously interviewed Bianca Andrescu moments after winning the U.S. Open and making Canadian history. You interviewed Jerome Ginla earlier this week when he was inducted or named a nominee for the um, Hockey Hall of Fame. If you have a bucket list of athletes to interview or an athlete's interview, who would it be? Well,
1: uh, you know, I, I remember the first time that I interviewed Wayne Gretzky and The first time? Oh, there's multiple times. Yeah. Well, and and so the first time I was, um, you know, I was just working on what we called the row and the, the row is when you're watching sports center, everyone in the background putting together highlight packs and, you know, I knew I wanted to be on air and I would bug our assignment editors uh, to put me out there. And so it was an exhibition game. It was, I think it was Bessa Tosca's first game as a Maple Leaf. Perfect. That, you know, that really successful tenure as a Maple yeah. Leaf. We'll but uh, Gretzky was the head coach of, of the Coyotes. And I remember waiting for him. And I remember Walter coming over to me and 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 talking to me. And like it was like, Walter Gretzky is talking to me. I don't know, understand why. Pinch you know, yourself. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so Wayne came out and, and Wayne was talking a lot with his with his hands and it was a small little scrum and he kept hitting my hand and I, I was like, wow, Wayne Gretzky keeps hitting my hand. That's you know. Um, but uh, I, I got to interview him during the US Open and, and it was just one on one and he was he was so good and he you know he was he was so happy to do it and he gave such a great interview and in, in the way that he, he broke down Bianca's game and what it was like as a hockey player to watch it. And, and, and he's also like, he's ridiculously modest. And it's almost like, like he would say, like when you're, when you're thinking of the greats, like Muhammad Ali or Gordie Howe, and I'm like, Wayne, you can say yourself. Like, like, no one will call you an arrogant, you know, a-hole by saying you're the best. Like, look at the stats. Anyways, and then when we were, we were done, he, w- he wouldn't leave us. Like he just kept wanting to talk and, and other people were, and we were in one of the ESPN suites. So other people want to come over and say, Hey, Wayne, you know, uh, you know, your third cousins, my, uh, my best friend and Wayne's like, Oh, you know, it's great. And then he kept coming back to us and was like, this is such a great story. Like how great is it? You know, and he kept wanting to talk, which is, which is the coolest thing ever. But also I was like, I gotta go. Like yeah. <laughs> my, my executive producer, Sam Sistrello is going to lose his, his if I'm not in this spot in like five minutes, but like, how do you tell Wayne to shut up? And like, so that, that more recent interview with Wayne Gretzky um, will, will stick with me. Um, you mentioned Bianca. That was really, you know, that was cool. Um, and I, I remember doing a sit down with, with Sidney Crosby when they were playing ball hockey in Calgary to get ready for the Olympics. Remember that when they did in them. That was awesome. And I, this is kind of, weird and maybe even creepy but during the interview I got really fixated on how big his thighs were and how he could barely fit into a chair I'm Like, it's ridiculous um so you know that that's really cool the Wayne Gretzky one sticks out and and I'll just uh, quickly point out getting to go out onto the ice when the um, my, the one year during the NHL network I got to go to the Stanley Cup final was 2015 and we were one of the first um networks to go out it was you know it was cbc and it was nbc and it was us so i was right on the ice when um you know doing the interviews and interviewing Taves and and joel clenville and that there isn't one necessarily interview that i'll remember the most they were all great and they're all you know obviously super happy and the party's happening around you but that was the year the stanley cup was late oh yeah And and i was like literally six feet away from gary bettman and he was, as you can imagine, losing his you-know-what and, and yelling like, where the hell is it? And then I remember seeing Patrick Kane skate around and was like, bring out the cop! where's the cop?" And, and it was, there was a torrential rainstorm and like they got rerouted. And anyways, it was like one of those weird things of like, how did they not avoid this? But anyways, everyone from the NHL was like yelling at everybody, including myself. I'm working for the league's network. And they're like, why are you standing there? You need to stand over there. I'm like, well, like Larry over here told me to stand. Like, I was like, what do you want? Like, and, and I later found out just everyone was pissed off because the cup wasn't there. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. So um, that isn't one interview, but it, I, I'll always remember that. So, um, yeah, I, again, I look back at it and think very lucky to, to be able to name off all those uh, situations.
0: Well, Mark, uh, you've told some great stories today. Uh, you've had a great career thus far and I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime, hopefully soon, whether we're in studio or maybe on the golf course, Mark, thanks so much for your time today and uh, yeah, we'll see you soon.
1: Yes. Golf lessons. Actually, I'll take some golf lessons from you. And, uh, but, uh, no, I appreciate it. Scully. Thanks for having me on. Oh
0: wow In your life. Have you seen anything like that? Really appreciate Mark Rowe taking the time with me today. Some great stories, interviewing Wayne Gretzky a couple of times. And of course, Bianca Andreescu winning the U.S. Open. He was there. He was an all-star covering that event throughout the two weeks of the U.S. Open last September. So thanks again to Mark. For joining the podcast and mark hopefully i get to see you soon we'll get around to golfing or maybe we'll be in the tsn building in the not too distant future well thank you for listening and watching to this podcast don't forget subscribe to us on itunes and watch and subscribe on youtube really appreciate all the support i've gotten so far and looking forward to bringing you so many more episodes this has been another fun edition of the scully scoop podcast and we'll see you next time